the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay I mean read <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance provocative political thrillers sexy sci-fi and everything in between every week we'll each cover one story no spoilers we'll share our favorite moments which of your favorite tropes to expect and rate its readability how hot it is and how romantic it is We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, other than like feeling kind of rushed tonight, like we talked about a little bit, uh, (laughs) I'm good. I think... I like thought today was going to be kind of a chill day and then it ended up being completely hectic and that's, that's why I'm like, yeah. I like feel like all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how are you? Uh, not bad. It is very rainy outside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like several very large puzzles, puddles while driving yeah. over here. Like yeah. big sprays off the side of my car and yes. deep puddles. Like whole lanes swallowed mm-hmm. by water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, like really, really like I-5. flooding. Yeah, yeah. Like backups on I-5. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It took me 45 minutes to get home today when it should have oh. taken 20, which is like why. Anyway, <sighs> it's all part of it. Yeah. So I had been, I actually just got to go meet my new nephew for the first time, which is super exciting. And he's extremely cute and two weeks old, but chunky in that Clark baby way. (laughs) Oh, yes. You sent us that little picture and I immediately had like horrible baby fever. And I was like, no, stop. (laughs) I know, right? He was like making those little baby grunts and like little and nothing like pursing sounds. his little lips yes that's yeah oh <laughs> adorable God, little so baby cute. um but i took him like on a long walk mm-hmm. you know to get him out of the house um, like a nap walk yes he was <laughs> sleeping the whole time oh. and i you know it was like cold and raining mm-hmm. you know like slamming down i had like an umbrella which like <laughs> as a native oregonian i never use them mm-hmm. and the whole time on this walk i was like wow i'm so dry <laughs> it's like so much better than just a rain jacket um, but anyway, I just like completely forgot because my babies are eight and 10. Yeah. How hot baby carriers yes. are. Oh my fucking God. So like I take him on like this hour long walk, like all around Mount mm-hmm. Tabor, which was beautiful. And then like on the way back, like I'm starting to sweat. Like I'm hot, even though it's like 50 degrees out and I'm not even wearing a coat. I'm wearing this sweater. Light only. sweater. Yeah. And, uh, so like I get back to their house, I come inside and like, right as I open the door, their heat kicks on. And so it's like, heat is blasting. I still have this like tiny furnace attached to me. And so I'm trying to like get him out of the carrier and like set him down. And he was like, so out and being like perfect baby. And, um, he stays asleep and I had sweat (laughs) all the way through my white, like tank top that was under like it was like sopping wet and was I was like, like the outline of a baby with- <laughs> yes I mean it was like the outline of the carrier on um, anyway so it was just like from boobs to belly button just absolutely soaking is, wet yes that's funny yeah. we have a photo of Chris after carrying Maggie in a yeah. carrier like and like a hot summer day and it's like the perfect like baby outline with like yes. feet and everything <laughs> I totally took a picture of it yes no I felt I was like so I, at first I was like, I'm going to leave him in the carrier so he stays asleep. So I was trying to like get my sweater off out from under the carrier. <laughs> and not, and anyway, I actually like kind of succeeded at that. It was like hanging out the back. Mm. <laughs> uh, but I was just still 
fucking dying. I was so hot. So I had to take him off also. But anyway, um, yeah, it's just funny, like those little details that you forget. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were like walking hot, like Mount Tabor, like up the hill. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was so fun and delightful to get to like carry a baby around. Also, what what a gift to parents of a two week old, <laughs> an hour free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean. I have no um, exciting uh, Jezebel articles to talk about in the intro this week, so. <laughs> oh, too bad. All right. Um, well, then, why don't we dive in? So, yeah, I, what are we drinking this okay. week? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we are drinking the Titbit Nipply. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, we'll get into the why when I get to my deep dive. Um, but it's, it's basically a slippery nipple. (laughs) Nice. Um, so it's half ounce Irish cream and a half ounce Sambuca. The Sambuca goes on the bottom. Um, supposedly this creates a lovely layered, uh, shot drink. Um, but we made them and they kind of mixed together, but it was still tasty. The (laughs) Sambuca is anise liqueur. So it's kind of, you know, and apparently it has elderflower in it, which yeah. I did not know, um, which I am now obsessed with elderflower. It smells so good. Yes. <laughs> Very floral. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway. Uh, Very tasty. Okay. And should we take a break and I'll get into my book? Sounds like a plan. All right. We're back. All righty. Okay. So this week I read Off the Clock by Ronnie Lauren. Okay. Um, And I picked this one up because it was on a list, um, or rather it was like recommended as like a, uh, like a better Fifty Shades. Oh, okay. So like more, more woke, more, uh, I don't know. Like actual consent maybe happening? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so after, yeah, and since we did, or I did, um, the disastrous, uh, I can't even remember the title of it now. Oh, yeah, but yeah. The really bad, oh my God, yes. what's it called? Dirty Billionaire. Dirty Billionaire. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love like... how that's where your brain went. Disastrous Billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Right. That um, was way back. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I thought I would slip this one in, see if we could do a little better uh, within that genre. Cool. Um, all right. So I will read the back of the book. All right. Overtime has never felt so good. Marin Rush loves studying sex. Doing it? That's another story. In the research lab, Marin's lack of practical knowledge didn't matter. But now that she's landed a job at The Grove, a high-end experimental sex therapy institute, she can't ignore the fact that the person in most the person most in need of sexual healing may be her. Dr. Donovan West, her new hotshot colleague, couldn't agree more. Donovan knows that Marin's clients aren't going to are going to eat her alive unless she gets some hands-on experience. And if she fails at the job, he can say goodbye to a promotion. So he assigns her a list of R-rated tasks to prepare her for the wild clientele of the Grove's X-Wing. But some of those tasks are built for two, and when he finds Marin searching for a candidate to help her check off her list, Donovan decides there's only one man for the job. Him. As long as they keep their erotic, off-the-clock activities strictly confidential and without strings, no one will get fired. Or worse, get attached. Oh, that um, sounds super fascinating, actually. The, yes. Uh, not as actually, like, not super Well, they never accurate. are, right? Because yeah. it's, like, not even written by the author, usually. But Yeah. Um, okay, so cast um, Marin Rush, who's the, like, young female mm-hmm. heroine. Kieran Shipka. Oh my god! A little yeah. innocent, but like has a yeah. kind of a dark streak. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Donovan West, I had a hard time. He, I, had, I feel like I had like a very specific like type in my head, but I couldn't find an actor who really like fit it. And yeah. it was like the Fifty Shades. Like he's like kind of wholesome and hot, but like definitely can like turn and like have kind uh-huh. of like a dark side, yeah, but totally. like sexy. Um, so I landed on Alexander Ludwig, which do you know? So no, he's. I don't think so. he's Bjorn in Vikings, which is what I've known him from. The is that most. the main guy? It's like the son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's also in Hunger Games. He's like a tall blonde guy. He's oh. Kato. He's like one yes. of the like. Yeah, I totally okay. know. I actually just rewatched oh. the Hunger Games like a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he like dies in the first one. Or yeah, other, yeah. But, oh, spoiler. Ten year old spoiler movie. for this like twelve year old <laughs> book series. Yeah. Right. All right. Tropes. Um, <clears throat> So it's work workplace romance, forced proximity comes with that. Then there's also BDSM mm-hmm. and 
virgin heroin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So is she, well, I'll let they, you get into yeah, it. Yeah, they talked yeah. about like her inexperience in the yeah. back of the book or whatever. Um, all right, so jumping in, I was really hooked on the beginning. Mm-hmm. The premise sounds amazing. Two people who were like studying sexuality to become sex therapists. Like, yeah. Um, so the beginning of the book is set like seven years earlier. So like she is actually in undergrad and he is like a TA. I think the age difference is like eight years somewhere around there um but okay right and so like she loses her virginity to him in like the third chapter of the book so like that's not a spoiler like that happens like real quick so is that like in the before times like Mm -hmm. when she okay yeah and then there's like a seven year break in the book and you move ahead and she is just landed this job and like he happens to work there she hasn't seen him in seven years it was like a one night thing. okay okay yeah yeah um so anyway so it starts off great like I honestly was like I could not put it down for like the first half and then like it just kind of got I don't know it was like slow it was like drawn out like Mm -hmm. um there was great tension in like the first few chapters like even the fact that there's like a sex scene right off the bat like there was still great like tension and longing and chemistry and I was into it um but yeah that like these people are supposedly like sex therapists or like you know Donovan at least who's been working as a sex therapist for like eight years and like yeah he has like a super unhealthy personal life and like there's this scene where he like he like calls himself like damaged goods and, and like that's just so not like someone who is like a therapist, like even if you're a sex therapist, like also therapists are very pro therapy. Like he would be in therapy like, <laughs> for his shit. Yeah. 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 So and I probably thought, not talk about himself that way. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it would have a setup of like, ooh, this like super healthy, like sex positive, like people who are like yeah. into that, like and know what's going on. And it like fell flat. It didn't do it. Oh, that's a bummer. I mean, yeah. I'm sure like obviously being a therapist doesn't like preclude you from having like mental health struggles or sure. your own bullshit to unpack. Yeah. But it probably de- I mean, it should affect like how you <clears throat> talk about those issues and how you talk about yourself. Yeah. And then, um, so, all right, I got off track in my notes cause I was okay. like, so excited to like talk about it. <laughs> okay. So, and then the, um, the virgin heroin trope, which like, I think I talked about this was that last week. Um, it's just like not my thing. Um, mm-hmm. it's not mine either, but I like, I guess, for someone whose thing it is, I think this is a good, um, this is a good book for it because it is like a kind of like cliche, like bloody version, lose, you know, like yeah. sex, like, okay. and it's, and, and it's good and it's well written and, you know, um, so if that is your thing, then I think this book might be for you. Um, I was, that I was definitely taken out of it in the second half with like their personal lives taking like that weird turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, okay, so then also, like, the BDSM comes in, and it is very healthy. Like, they talk about it ahead of time. They have a safe word. They um, have ground rules. They have, mm-hmm. um, they actually also have, like, a like a time limit for their relationship. So it's, like, it's set up, like, they want to, Maren's whole thing is, like, she wants experience because she's, very inexperienced but she's a sex therapist so she wants right. to like know what she's talking about I guess although that part <laughs> whether that's actually necessary right the conversation <laughs> yeah okay um, so that part yes um and again if that's your thing I I think I'm realizing this is like not really this is not really my jam but um I think if if these tropes are for you then I think you would like this book it is a little long but it gets there and I did like the ending it was it it wrapped up nicely and the sex scenes are great there is one (laughs) like disclaimer that I just want to say that you should not use an open wine bottle as a dildo like oh my god (laughs) like you'd probably be fine but there's just like a lot of risks there like that's terrifying infection like um it could also break like yeah that's like, what i they would be afraid of get some body safe sex toy like they make sex toys in the shape of a bottle they make glass sex toys that are okay. like tempered and sure yeah you know oh yeah so anyway i just had to throw that in there because i remember reading that scene and i was like what now <laughs> was it like a wine bottle they had drunk the wine from that night yeah oh boy yeah um there's more i I'm not going to spoil the rest of that scene, but um, 
Yeah, they're like the hot and heavy sex scenes for sure. Like throughout the entire book, and the, yeah. and somehow still tension and great chemistry. Like the characters were, I liked both of the characters as dual perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, besides their sort of like lack of ability to do mental health for themselves. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that maybe like that would just have been too boring of a book. You know? Yeah. You needed too some... healthy, well-adjusted yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you need like some drama. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I'm moving on to ratings. Okay. So readability, I went with like a 3.5. Okay. Um, first half, great. Second half, slow. Um, hotness, four. Definitely up there. Romance, actually, three, 3.5. Um, uh, it's right. mo- Yeah. Uh, overall, 3.5. Okay. Um, content warnings, um, death of a parent or parents of both main characters, alcoholism, and then consensual BDSM. Yeah. Um, vibe check. I think, yes, it's definitely like, I'm pretty sure all the characters are white. There's not a lot of talk about diversity or anything. Um, but I'd say in general, yes, check, passes the vibe check. Cool. All right. Favorite line. This is like a passage. It's a little long. All right. No, go for it. (laughs) All right. So did it work for you? The question jumped out before she could stop it. He peered up at that surprised there at first, but then something else flashed in those blue eyes. Wariness. Well, I have no interest in forcing myself on anyone. If that's what you mean. That's not what I asked. Marin didn't know where her boldness was coming from. Maybe knowing this was her last night with him was making her daring. Or maybe she was still thinking about the alternative he'd suggested to drinking the night away. You want me to listen to it and tell you what I think? Obviously, I don't want some guy to rape me. He coughed and ran a a hand over the back of his neck. Sorry, you're right. I'm asking for all this personal honesty from you, and you've given it. I'd be an asshole if I'm not willing to do the same. He straightened the papers on his desk. The scenario worked for me. Rape isn't a turn-on, obviously, but a woman consenting to playing that game, to letting it get kind of rough, that could be hot. Okay. So I like I that was like kind of like the setup when I was like, oh, they are going to be a BDSM territory. Wow. Like, yeah, they're right. really and getting then, into it. Uh, yeah, and like I don't know, I thought it was like a like they're talking about it, like they're yeah. like. They're saying the R word, right? Like, they're bringing yeah. it up, like, that's not what this is. The, they, the consensual word is there, you know? Like, yeah. Know. This is definitely, like, I feel like this is, like, a niche. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, like, you, would, is, you yeah. wouldn't want just anyone to pick it up without, like, there's definitely, like, a content mm-hmm. warning there. Like, um, it just, I don't know. You never want to be, like, surprised by well, the R word, well, you know? Yeah. Right. Well, and then, I mean, that's, like, Dirty Billionaire. It was. Yeah this but without the talk about it without the like yeah safe word with that so and I was like shocked and appalled that that was yeah. like existing in the world without some kind of like <laughs> yes, warning and or, wasn't you like know. 25 years old yes exactly yeah. Yeah. Anyway. yeah did this book have a content warning at the beginning no yeah um, yeah not like the last one because I don't feel like it's not it's not like super I laid guess. out in the back <clears throat> of book yeah, no, they definitely don't. Like, they don't. Yeah, they don't say, like provide a trigger warning. No. Um, Interesting. What hmm. year was it published? I think it's 2016. Oh, okay. So, anyway. Um, all right. I'm going to move on to my deep dive. Sweet. <laughs> I can't. I'm very <laughs> excited fun. and hoping that this is like a science based uh, Absolutely. sex activity deep dive. I can't okay. wait. <laughs> so, this book had a ton of like descriptions of like arousal in like public settings so like they work together right and they're okay. like so they're like at work and yeah. she's getting like super turned on by like something that they're talking about because they're sex therapists right so okay. sex is like how well they talk there. about yeah. all day right yeah. and so but this author like kept returning to this one like description of like nipples stiffening <laughs> as like <laughs> that is so almost every <laughs> to getting turned on book. but it was like yeah. it was like constant and it just kept coming up and I just like, <laughs> I was like all right like there's other ways of describing that characters are turned on right but um <laughs> so it just got me thinking of like is that like a real thing and like why does that happen like okay like yeah it doesn't really make sense like is it a holdover what is it so I I looked into it to see what I could find um, and so I will just start with some background on uh, sexual arousal in general. Fun. Okay. okay. I love it. 
And this part is mostly from Wikipedia. So sexual arousal describes the physiological and psychological psychological (laughs) responses in preparation for sexual intercourse or when exposed to sexual stimuli. Um, A number of physiological responses occur in the body and mind as preparation for sexual intercourse and continue during it. So erect nipples are a physiological response. So it is like a known part of... Yes. Okay. It's real. (laughs) Um, Yes. And so we're going to talk about physiological responses because psychological responses is like this whole other deep well, like save it for another deep dive. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So sexual arousal causes various physical responses, most significantly in the sex organs. So for a person with a penis, it's usually indicated by the swelling and erection of the penis Mm -hmm. when blood fills the corpus cavernosum. In a person with a vagina, sexual arousal is usually marked by vaginal lubrication, swelling and engorgement of the external genitals, and internal lengthening and enlargement of the vagina. Uh, Increased vaginal wetness and further engorgement as arousal continues... Swelling of the clitoris and labia, along with increased redness or darkening of the skin as blood flow increases. Further? What? Sorry, that just like (laughs) jogged a memory or like several. Anyway, they like often they'll talk about like on the same line of thought, like someone's nipples becoming erect and also darkening. And I wonder if it's like similar. I was like, that's that's actually a thing. But it's real. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know way too much about nipples now (laughs) and we'll get to it (laughs) i can't wait okay where was i oh further changes to the internal organs also occur including the internal shape of the vagina and wait where'd it go um and the position of the uterus within the pelvis isn't that crazy like a whole bunch of internal stuff so much that happens on the inside i remember learning that like the internal part of like the clitoris how much there is and mm-hmm. how it changes during sex and it's like it well it varies person to person but it can yeah. go like around That's the entire so wild yeah. um other changes include an increase in heart rate as well as blood pressure feeling hot and flushed and perhaps experiencing tremors um there's something called a sex flush which can be like a red flush over the chest and upper body and then erect nipples are listed as a physiological response to arousal for both people with penises and vaginas. So like that section I read there was like mostly just people with vaginas, but mm-hmm. like the nipples it's listed for both people. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> Which I have read in like lots of different books. Mm-hmm. It's like regardless of gender yeah. or sex. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and I mean, I I feel like we kind of know that about nipples is that, you know, yeah. they're like men also have like developed milk ducts even like yeah. to various extents. Anyway, because all fetuses are female to start and then anyway fascinating i don't want to get into all that yeah (laughs) i need to talk about nipples (laughs) okay so it seems that during arousal most of of the physiological responses seem to prepare the body for vaginal intercourse but erect nipples are just like weird like yeah there it doesn't like on the surface there's no like purpose like uh, is it just a side effect? And then, like, what's the actual mechanism? Yeah. Okay, so a study in Nature Neuroscience in 2016 was studying the sympathetic nervous system, which is, um, it's, it's like the involuntary and essential um, functions. Um, Wait, was that involuntary and essential? Yes. Not inessential. Essential. Yeah. Okay. So, and it, it happens like without conscious control. So it yeah. includes like locomotion, ingestion, temperature yeah. regulation, um, and the like fight or flight response. It's like lizard brain stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Lizard brain. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Way of putting it. Um, okay. So prior to this study from 2016, um, scientists mostly thought that this sympathetic nervous system was not specific and would produce the same response regardless of stimuli. So earlier research was limited to specific organs or cells, um, and they weren't able to show that different cell types had different functions. 
So this study actually analyzed the sympathetic nerve cells like themselves okay. and like traced them back. This was done in mice. I read like a whole bunch more about this. It was super interesting. Um, but basically they demonstrated that there are like many different types of sympathetic neurons and each different type is associated with a particular function. Okay. So, um, so like, uh, a quote from a press release for when this article was published, um, for example, one thing we found was the goosebumps and nipple erection. Sorry. One thing we found was that goosebumps and nipple erection are caused by neurons that are specialized to regulate these functions by controlling the erectile muscles in these tissues. So it's like a specific neuron that like makes your nipples erect. That's so funny to think about that we like have a neuron. <laughs> yeah. That's like, like, and pathway that's like just for that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like imagine it like, um, oh, what is that movie? with Amy Poehler, but like little kids emotions. Oh, inside out. Yes. <laughs> that movie makes like that. me fucking ball so <gasps> oh. hard every time. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I kind of like imagine the brain like that now. It's totally. Like a little person in there. It's right. like, erect nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a little lion neurons waiting. They're like, yeah. that's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. It totally does make sense though that, um, and this is what my guess would have been, would be like erect nipples are kind of like a, side effect of goosebumps or like they happen at the same time right because it's right it's just like one big goosebump <laughs> okay so we kind of answered the like how nipples get erect but uh-huh. we don't really know why still um so there's like some information out there about like a po- possible evolutionary purposes mm-hmm. of erect nipples and first of all um erect nipples are essential for breastfeeding Okay. The suck a baby suckling reflex um, is triggered when the nipple or like a bottle nipple uh-huh. um, hits the roof of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's it's essential for you know getting a good latch and successful breastfeeding. Um, so that there is an evolutionary purpose for that, but that yeah, is not related not. to reproduction. Yeah. Um, or arousal. Um, but nipples also get get erect when it's cold outside. Mm-hmm. Um. So that also doesn't really seem to have a clear purpose, um, but there's a theory, um, and that is that the neurons, so they discovered one that does nipple erection, but then also one that does goosebumps, and like goosebumps has to do with your hair raising on end. Yes. Which is... Like um, a fear response. Yes. Yeah. Um, where'd it go? Oh, yeah. So like that's in response to danger, like puffed up hair makes us look bigger mm-hmm. to scare off predators, like a cat puffing up its tail or a dog's well that's what I wondered I was like I wonder if there's some like evolutionary holdover where like somewhere like on a stop along the way to humanhood maybe (laughs) there was like some iteration of humans that like liked to look bigger when they were getting it on (laughs) when they were getting it on yeah yeah um Right. So anyway. Because you think about like all the birds that have like their mating dances or they like you, make their feathers make, all yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and so like it is all about this sympathetic system, which is like you said, mm-hmm. lizard brain. Yeah. <laughs> so like um, the, like there are separate neurons, like they said, that they like, one does each, but like it's yeah. possible that they kind of like respond to each other's a little bit. So mm-hmm. like maybe it's just slightly related. Yeah. Um, which, uh, all right. I lost my place again. No, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Um, anyway, so like some of, so the possible other explanation is that it is a vestigial trait, like mm-hmm. talking, like an evolutionary holdover. I love to theorize yeah. wildly about why it might be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so basically it actually is still an unknown. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of theories. Um, and like, again, like the, the like, the lizard brain stuff, like it does make sense that lizard brain stuff would be associated with arousal and reproduction because that absolutely would be an evolutionary um, oh, yeah. benefit, you know, mm-hmm. benefits. Um, anyway, um, so there are other actual um, non-genital peripheral mechanisms, which this is, so it's nipple erections are one of these, like it's a, phys- a physical, physiological. <laughs> physiological yeah response to um arousal so the other ones are salivation sweating and cutaneous vasodilation so like those also like don't really seem to be related to preparation for vaginal intercourse salivation it's funny because it also has like a it's like a sort of i mean 
it's also happening like in your vaginal canal, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like I mean, same maybe idea, that's explanation. but I've yeah. never noticed it myself before I mean, salivating. Although mucus that's is definitely, mucus, yeah. yeah, right? Well, <laughs> you get like a runny nose at the same time. No. Um, <laughs> that is something that like comes up in goofy descriptions of like sex or people oh, getting yeah. horny in romance novels, like that they're salivating. Yeah. And I'm always like, that's yeah. not real. Yeah. Well, that was like kind of what I was like, like nipples getting hard. Like, I don't know. That was like, stop, like explain it some other way. <laughs> Um, anyway, but yeah, that, uh, this felt long as I was writing it, but that's actually all I have. Um, and like, I came across like a lot of kind of other stuff while doing this research that I'm kind of like adding to my list of future deep dives, like, um, stuff that like, like talks about like exactly what happens during orgasms. (gasps) Oh my God. That would be so fascinating. There's such a wide range of experience that Mm -hmm. people report and have tracked and there's like lots of different interesting ways that people have studied them in the past so anyway future episodes super cool uh, yeah I, I think I, I can't wait to get into it yeah I think I realized that I just need to do science for like every deep dive I get way more into it it's so fun it's like I mean you know don't get taught any of this in school right and no like, yeah it's just fascinating to think about it like why it all happens yeah. um I would love to hear more of this. That's like a good pull for when you like don't have a good deep dive option yeah. too for like any. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Good job. Well, thanks. I loved that. I wonder how many times you said erect nipples. nipples. <laughs> I know. I also um, had to say penis several times. Yeah. <laughs> and I kept a straight face because I'm a professional. Was it hard for you? Uh. <laughs> um, all right. Well, really good job. Um, right. Should we take a quick break? Yeah. Cool. All right, so my turn. Um, This week, I read Slippery Creatures by K.J. Charles. Ooh, slippery. Which (laughs) (laughs) uh, isn't what it sounds like. It's definitely not like a paranormal romance about eels or something. Um, No, it's actually, (laughs) it's a super fun uh, romance novel told in the style of golden era pulp fiction so oh. it's basically like a mystery and a romance together it's just totally my jam that so, sounds amazing um okay uh i'll start us off with the back of the book will darling came back from the great war with a few scars a lot of medals and no idea what to do next inheriting his uncle's chaotic secondhand bookshop is a blessing until strange visitors start making threats first a criminal gang then the war office both telling will to give them the information they want or else Will has no idea what that information is and nobody to turn to until Kim Secretan, charming, cultured, oddly attractive, steps in to offer help. As Kim and Will try to find answers and outrun trouble, mutual desire grows along with the danger. And then Will discovers the truth about Kim, his identity, his past, his real intentions. Enraged and betrayed, Will never wants to see him again. But Will possesses knowledge that could cost thousands of lives. Enemies are closing in on him from all sides, and Kim is the only man who can help. Mm. A 1920s male-male romance trilogy in the spirit of golden age pulp fiction is the like last line on the back of book. Okay. Do, how did you find this one? Did you say um, I didn't say that. Okay. And I don't remember. I think I saw it like just on Goodreads, like suggested mm-hmm. from another book I'd read or okay. something. Um, I've never read anything else by this author. Um, and actually, I didn't even think to check... Um, whether she is American or British. Mm. This takes place in London. <clears throat> okay, so the cast. Did you watch Downton Abbey? Of course. Okay. Um, I have Alan Leach as Will, so he's Branson. Okay. Yeah, the driver. Um, and Matthew Good as Kim. So Matthew Good actually is in Downton, but not till much later. He's like uh, Mary's second husband. And so like he's in the movie. Um, but he's also in like a million other things. Matthew Good is like a huge British actor. He's like tall and willowy and very like sparkling wit, charming. Hmm. Like I, yeah, never... I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, and you can see them interact in the later seasons and in the movie of Downton Abbey. They become like best buddies. So amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay. So Will is our like, um, 
World War Two or World War One, excuse me, veteran, and okay. he's like, you know, he's like stocky and tough, and he comes from a lower class background. And Kim, who goes by Kim, but whose actual name was um, Arthur, I think, or something more hmm. traditional, um, is an upper class um, son of a Marquess, um, and he did not fight in the war. Um, Anyway, we'll get more into that. But so main tropes, really just like forced proximity. Um, I wanted to say enemies to lovers, but that's not really it because they're mm. never really like they become, they're like lovers. lovers before they're enemies and oh. then they're briefly enemies. And then, you know, back to, it's like, it's met, it's messy. Mm, love, hate relationship. I mean, a little bit like they are obviously in love, but also, um, Kim's a real slippery creature. So oh. <laughs> that's the title um, of the book. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, okay. So overall thoughts. I fucking loved it. Oh. It's like just hit like all my sweet spots. So had all the things I loved. It's like sparkling chemistry between the leads and great banter between all the characters. Like the dialogue is just excellent. And like it's fast paced. Um, it has hot and frequent sex scenes uh and then it has this amazing plot with twists and turns Mm. and surprises and like it's it was just like my favorite kind of like rollicking good time um and it did what I really love which is that it like held back secrets until the end but it didn't let you know it was holding them back Mm. because you know it drives me fucking crazy when there's like especially when it's like a male love interest Mm. with a female lead and the man's like I can't tell her my secret my secret is oh. so serious it'll ruin everything for I'm both of us I'm doing her a favor I'm protecting her a secret yeah <laughs> I hate that um and so this was like there were secrets but it was like unexpected unexpected like just it was like twists and you know oh, like yeah. exciting surprises um and so it just was like it was so fun the whole way through um okay <clears throat> And so this is actually the first time that I have listened to an audiobook of a romance novel instead of read oh, really? the physical okay. copy. Yeah. So I have like a thing of like, I don't really like reading like ebooks. Mm-hmm. I have a like 10 year old Kindle and I tried to download this on that actually and I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find it. <laughs> um, and I didn't like there, no one had this book available in person so I was like all right well I'll just download the audiobook I'm kind of short mm-hmm. on time this week anyway it'll be great um and I so I I do listen to audiobooks uh-huh. I'm not like total trash but um <laughs> I usually like save all my audiobook credits for uh nonfiction because oh that's, like, yeah because I am a little bit trash that's the only way I can get myself to read nonfiction <laughs> um is to have someone read it to me but anyway so I downloaded the audiobook of this one and the narrator is like an older British gentleman with like a really posh accent. And it was just like such a wild experience to have that voice reading me like explicit sex scenes. I, uh, I've definitely like several of the books this mm-hmm. that we've talked about this season were audiobooks, and I like really dislike a male narrator. Well, when you have two male leads, I think it works. That's you know? true. Um, but, well, okay, yes. The, and the reason being, I really dislike a male uh, reader yeah. doing a female voice. Yeah. It is like, and they did it's that. It's pretty grating. Yes. In the um, the Skis of Crows audiobook, because I got oh, that audiobook. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, but, so they actually did, each character has their own person reading, oh, which so, was great. Yeah, but like nice. some of the female characters speak in the male characters mm-hmm. chapters and oh, so then it yeah. would be like oh my god yeah I hate it. it it's yeah it's yeah. very upsetting yeah so this one was really good so okay. there are like two um sort of secondary characters that are women um and he does a good job on them too. okay and they don't have good. a whole lot of speaking lines but like yeah. it's you know, just because, like, in a romance novel, obviously, there's, like, it's almost all the two leads. The two leads. Okay. Um, but no, it was delightful. I mean, the only thing is that, like, his um, his voice for Kim was, like, so prim. And that didn't feel quite right to me. Mm. I kind of thought he would be more, like, I don't know, 
more like Matthew Good, like <laughs> a little bit wittier and less mm. sort of like uptight sounding. A little less like restrained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, it was delightful. The reading was really good. Um, and it flew by, like it just, I listened to the whole thing in two days. Um, and I actually did look up the narrator because I like really wanted to see a picture of him. I couldn't find one, but I did really? see that he was like, operating right in his normal niche like he has a whole bunch of Other. audiobook readings that are romance novels mm. including um what is that one now I'll have to look it up that's like the violent something it's that super popular book on book talk that has like knife play and stuff in it it's like a, ga- a gangster or mafia book anyway I was like dang um but yeah so I just thought that was like an, a hilarious aside um, but the so the leads are both great. Um, Will and Kim, they're amazing. Um, this one is a single point of view, so we okay. only get it from Will's side. I kind of I feel like lately I've been like preferring that. Like yeah. sometimes it's like when you get it from both points of view, it ends up being like more frustrating because you like know that they're both like thinking the same thing but not talking to each other. Totally. Whereas when you get it from one person, it's more of like a. It's more of a real experience. I don't know. Yes. No, I think so too. And I like, especially when you've got a book that's like relying a lot on mystery mm-hmm. and like plot and stuff, yeah. like you can't have, you have to have more yeah. things hidden, you know? Yeah. And especially when you've got like a character whose motivations you and the main character are like very unsure of, mm-hmm. like you couldn't get in their head or the whole thing would be ruined. Right. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, so that totally made sense to me, but I, and I loved Will, the, our narrator who, um, he's like super smart and like accomplished, right? Like he comes home from world war one, uh, with like all these medals and he's like a decorated soldier. Um, but he comes home like super pissed and like hating war and that it happens at all. Um, and he's like a little damaged because I don't think you you could like go to World War One without uh, having like extreme PTSD. <laughs> PTSD from like watching movies about World yeah, War One. Trench warfare is not it. Um, so he's like a little rough around the edges. He's uneducated, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and but he's like super super smart and mm. like you know also just sick of everyone's shit, which is my favorite <laughs> thing in any character. <laughs> um, and you know, so people around him are like constantly trying to take advantage and treating him like he's a big dummy and he's like so exhausted by all of it and pissed off. Mm-hmm. And he's just like got a great like anti-authoritarian streak in him already. Like he just. I feel like that's a very um, that's like a very uh, like post World War One, like everyone was just at war and like seeing all this like horrible thing and all these like horrible things and then they come back. And, like, this whole, like, existing class structure and whatever just seems so, like... This is bullshit. Arbitrary <laughs> yeah. and bullshit. Yeah, and there yeah. was, like, a huge rebellion. So, like, that seems so, like, fitting. Like, it I, is. I, yeah. I feel like they get into that in Downton Abbey for sure. And that's, like... Very- I mean, yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, I just... I think also, like, to read a book like this right now, you know, that has, like, a great anti-establishment vibe. The whole book has it, too. Like, it's not... Like, Will... Obviously, Will's our narrator and... It's told from his point of view, but like all the hero characters in it are like anti-establishment and, and it's just fun. That was fun, yeah. <laughs> um, so Kim, whose last name is Secretin, which I think is hilarious. It like looks like secret. Oh, <laughs> so I'm like very on the nose. <laughs> um, so charming, like alluring and that sort of really upper class, like sparkling wit kind of maybe I'm a little bit better than everyone else kind of way. Um, and like, you know, clearly is like his own worst enemy and like has some trouble being genuinely open and vulnerable with people, you know, he's just like, a he's so cute. And anyway, their relationship is so cute. Like I just was rooting for them the whole time. Um, and then Kim has a fiance, a female fiance, cause this is As you do. 1920s yeah. England, um, whose name is Phoebe. And I'm pretty sure we're going to learn more about her in the future books but like their marriage is obviously a marriage of convenience like mm. Kim is gay and mm-hmm. I'm almost certain that Phoebe is also gay because oh. she definitely is showing signs of being interested in Will's best friend who is also a woman mm. can't wait to read about all that <laughs> but um their relationship 
Phoebe and Kim's is like so fucking cute because they're like engaged to be married, but they're obviously like not in a romantic relationship, but they're like love each other so much and care for each other. And she like gets so excited when she meets Will and like immediately is like, we're friends now. And like it just the whole thing is like so cute and nice. And she's like hilarious in that flapper way. Anyway, (laughs) I just love the whole thing. It's like perfect historical fiction but it's like anti-establishment and it's a gay story and yeah and then the fucking plot is delicious and like so cheesy and fun I just loved it all right wow that one sounds really good highly recommend I like cannot wait to I'm gonna go like start listening to the second one when we're done (laughs) (laughs) what did you say the name of the series is um I think it's called the Will Darling Adventures his last name is Darling yeah so and it's the trilogy and I know at least the first two are out I think maybe the third one's also out I'm not sure okay anyway so it was great so my ratings uh 4.5s across the board so readability hotness romance like I just didn't want to rate it a five because I feel like it's too early Mm -hmm. but I almost did almost I just loved it it was so good um so yeah and no content warnings I mean like Unless you were, like, in World War One, I. <laughs> I mean, um, maybe PTSD in general. Maybe a, a little bit. I mean, he actually doesn't... Exp- there's one moment where he does experience a little bit of, like, strong PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, overall, it's really well done. There is, like, no sexual assault. There's, like, the consent is good. Um, really good representation. You know, obviously, it's, like, a... Um, it's a queer couple. Um, Will is actually bi. Um, and then the, his best friend who is a woman who he also used to date is black, a black woman in the twenties. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a reveal that their two friends are, um, lesbians also, which is pretty cool. But anyway, so yeah, like Passes the vibe check. No big content warnings. It's overall just like a really fun read. All of the like narrative tension comes from like their relationship and like the plot happening around them. Mm-hmm. There's no like bullshit extra pain stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. My favorite line. <laughs> to pull it up here. Oh, picking favorite lines from an audiobook is always fucking <laughs> hard. You have to like yep. pause and type. <laughs> um, so I actually did buy it on Kindle so that I could like find this. Oh nice. And anyway, it turns out you like you can like highlight the yeah. yeah. Anyway, I just learned that because <laughs> I suck at technology. Um okay, so this line is actually um said by Phoebe. So that's Kim's fiance. Okay. Um the first time she's meeting Will. Um and she's trying to like he's like freaking the F out because he's already slept with Kim and he's like he knew there was a fiance and it was very easy for him to be like, oh, whatever, before he had met her. Right. Then he meets her and she's fucking amazing. She's like <laughs> the best person ever. And so now he's feeling horrible because right. he doesn't know that their relationship isn't real right. at this point. Um, and she's like tr- obviously trying to like put him at his ease without being like, it's okay, Kim's gay and I know it. You yeah. know, she's trying to be like, <laughs> anyway, so this is her. Jealousy, darling. Possessiveness. It gives me the horrors. People who think they could tell one what to do and who to see as if they own one, or that they have the right to sit in judgment on one's behavior. There's a great deal too much of that about. She gave her cigarette a darkling look as though blaming it and stubbed it out. What I say is, one can be as moral as one likes, but one should have the courtesy to do it in private like any other bad habit. Amazing. (laughs) She's so amazing. Um, Anyway, and the whole thing is just like fun like 1920s dialogue, which I get a huge kick out of. Um, okay, so that's it. I fucking loved it. Everyone on the planet should read it. That's so good. Great. <laughs> All right. So for my deep dive, uh, I actually didn't really know anything about like Pulp Fiction or mm. what it was. Um, and it seemed like a big gap actually in my knowledge. So I'm going to do a very brief history uh, of Pulp Fiction and Ooh. what it is, because that's what this book is based on, um, like the Pulp Fiction stories from the 20s and 30s. 
So my sources are a New Yorker article called Pulp's Big Moment by Louis Menand, a brief history of pulp fiction by Philip Athens on the blog Fantasy Authors Handbook, the pulp illustration page on the Norman Rockwell Museum's website, and of course, Wikipedia. Um, okay, so pulp fiction, the literary category, not the movie, <laughs> is generally considered to have originated like at the end of the 19th century, um, and it gets its name as some people might know, from the like low quality pulped paper that it was printed on. So it was like basically mush. Like if you got any water on it, it would just like immediately Fall dissolve. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't even have like cut edges, you know, like it was like super raggedy. But they were like normal paper size. So kind of like comic book sized. Mm. Um, okay. And so they were the natural successors of the Penny Dreadful and Dime novels, which were like shorter, smaller publications that were really popular in the second half of the 1800s. Pulp fiction publications were typically like just under 200 pages long. So like, that's long. That's yeah. like long, like a Vogue magazine long. Longer than Dirty Bill. without <laughs> <laughs> that book. Jesus. Um, and they had no images at all aside from the cover. So it was like, usually you'd get like a couple of stories in there. Um, they cost 10 cents usually, which is less than half of what the competing slicks sold for. So those are like the sh- shiny, glossy mm. magazines um, that were, you know, had like pictures in them and they were like nice paper. Um, slicks were more like what we think of as like comic books, but like with, with trimmed images mm-hmm. and, um, or trimmed edges. Um, so pulps covered a wide range of themes, um, but generally stuck to what we now think of as genre fiction. So adventure, crime, horror, romance, sci-fi, sex, sports, war, westerns, like all the stuff that basically isn't like fancy pants. Um, (laughs) uh, and they were maybe considered like a bit salacious and like trashy, but actually after like reading through all this history, I wonder if a lot of that is, like, because we're looking at it with a modern lens. Mm. Like, I don't know if it... It's not clear that it was, like, truly considered trashy then. Um, and, like, we're, we've are we been raised in an era where, like, we're taught that, like, the great American novel is the benchmark, right? And, like, that's what we read in high school and college. And that's the only thing worth reading. Like, which is why people don't want to, like, read their romance novel on the bus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um So, and the reason why also I think it like probably didn't seem trashy back then is because like regular, quote unquote, regular people didn't really have access to the classics or like the great American novel in the way we do now. So mass market paperbacks weren't even a thing until the 40s. And so like in 1939, there were 180 million books printed in the US, which sounds like a lot, but there were only 2,800 bookstores to sell them in, and they were mostly clustered in large cities. So you could go like many, many towns Mm -hmm. through a state and no one would have a bookstore. Um, But there were 7,000 newsstands, 18,000 cigar stores, 58,000 drugstores, and 62,000 lunch counters, not to mention train and bus stations, all places where you could find racks of pulp magazines. So, like, this shit was everywhere. Yeah. And books were not. Um, so, especially, like, for folks who weren't, like, in college, um, the access to these publications was way more plentiful for people just, like, looking for entertainment than, like, actual novels were. Um, which just makes me wonder, like, would you get side-eye for reading them when that's, like, all that was easily available? When know. did public libraries become a thing (laughs) that's a good question i don't know um i mean i'm sure i i think they've been a thing for a long time but um to the like extent that that they are now probably like mid-century because there were like traveling libraries before that and like or you'd have a library that served like many towns Mm -hmm. and i wonder like what libraries had in they were also probably like you know mostly in large cities and close mm-hmm. universities and whatever. And I'm sure that like that what you had access to at the public library was not the same as what it is now oh, because the yeah. government was not always so mm. like generous with what they wanted their public to read. Of course. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. We should do that on another deep dive yeah. someday. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, pulps started to fall out of fashion like really rapidly as we approached mid-century, um, probably due to several factors, including the like sudden and huge growth of the paperback novel industry, comic book industry, um, and a general shift towards conservatism that followed World War II, which took a very dim view of the like lurid cover art and literally spicy content of Pulp Fiction. I looked up a bunch of covers and so many of them are just like spicy this, like spicy oh. Western. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like put some cayenne pepper in, in the pulp, paper right. pulp. <laughs> no, no, I think it was a different kind of spicy, um, which is funny because now spicy is like everyone's favorite way of describing like how much sex is in a romance novel. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I did, yeah, so I did look up some of the covers they, they um, published, like, in the golden age of the 20s and 30s. And they are, like, definitely not not scandalous. Like, there's a lot of, like, almost bare-chested women and men. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone looks, like, real oiled up. And, like, they're, like, they're, they're definitely, like, sexy looking, you know? Mm, yeah. And that kind of thing did not fly so much once we kind of got to the 1950s. Um, and like the, I mean, the covers are just fun. I thought maybe I'll put some like in our Instagram post for this episode because they're like, they're just goofy as hell. There's like (laughs) funny monsters chasing half naked women or men like, and like tons of like space. Like, I mean, it's just like half naked people everywhere. Like half naked people going to space, half naked people in the American West, half naked people running from monsters in New York city. Like they're just so goofy. Um, so yeah, that's it. Um, they were just like super popular, like the yeah. only thing people read for like 50 years and then they were gone. They were gone. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if there's like a modern day, a clue. I mean, there's like, cause there's lots of books that are like straight to paperback mm-hmm. or, you know, like only digital now. Did you but... ever, when I was a kid, I remember my mom reading those mystery books that were like cat, there was like a cat in them. And they, there was a book for every letter of the alphabet. No. Like, anyway, it was just, they're definitely, so there is like a, like a newer, I didn't write any of this down for the deep dive, but I did see there's like a newer movement towards like pulp fiction again. Oh. Um, and so you will see some books marketed that way. Yeah. Um, but I, de- I think that it never really went away. It's just that no, the medium I mean, changed. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Just evolved. Yeah. You know, no, totally. And so there are like tons of goofy well, I mean, like, most of these books that we read are straight to paperback, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, even the, like, fancy ones. Um, but, yeah, there's lots of goofy shit yeah. out there. So, you know, and has been forever. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was great. That's yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I, I didn't know very much about that either. Yeah. No, me neither. So um, that was kind of fun. And I also didn't realize that, like, how, like, just how limited the access to, like, paperback books yeah, was Yeah, that's before. something I don't think about either. Yeah. Um, we're so like, lucky to be alive. No, literally. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, this is our last episode. Last episode for season one. I know. So, Any final thoughts? Oh, my God. Conclusions? Uh, Putting you on the spot. <laughs> no, totally. This was super fun. I want to read way more trash. The trash is really fun. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just having a good time. Do you have final thoughts? I, I have thoughts about, like... I don't know. Like, I need a better way of pick. I mean, this is like why we're here, right? Yeah. To give recommendations. Yeah. But I feel like I've gotten quite a few like promising leads that turned out to be duds. And yeah. Like, you know, I want to like streamline that and like find a way to find some better reads. Totally. And we, you know, we had that chat about like good reads because you had a book that you read that was terrible but had a four point yeah. two mm-hmm. rating, and that was like that burst my bubble because I was like, yeah. I was sure that anything over like four point two on Goodreads was like. Surely that's good enough. Yeah. It's, it's just way more complicated I, than that. Yeah. I think Goodreads is just like spammed with like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like well, infiltrated it's like, by like publishers or like. Maybe. Or like author stands. And yeah. yeah. It just doesn't work that great. And uh, you also have to pay attention to like how many reviews are there, you yeah. know, because I feel like if it's like a huge book, then you can count on like actual people with like normal opinions to like balance out any craziness but when there's only like 600 reviews then it's like god only knows yeah but yeah even then it's probably not that simple right well then the other side of that is like maybe i'm just really picky (laughs) i mean which i think i am and that's fine nothing wrong with that yeah yeah i'm like they're a particular type of romance fan where like 
I actually need like a realistic romance, which yeah. is like actually like a lot of the romance genre maybe isn't. Yeah. So like that's my thing, which I tried to do with the review tonight of being yeah. like, this isn't my thing, but if it is your thing, then like, and I yeah. tried to look through, look at it through that lens. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't, well, I don't know. I guess it depends on what you need, mean by realistic. I do like the relationship to feel like reasonably natural, mm-hmm. but then I also love it to be like not a realistic realistic storyline at all you know I love like all the plot yeah there's very specific things that have to be realistic for me yeah (laughs) which actually I think is why I like the fantasy ones because like my it's like art like my reality or whatever is like already suspended enough that I don't have to like totally some of the like yeah modern or like contemporary books are like really rough for me because I'm like this does not because you because it feels too much like real life so then you expect like all your real life rules to apply to it yeah 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 that makes exactly. sense. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm definitely learning about my preferences. Yeah, same. Um, and it, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. even when I, it's not for me, sometimes it's still really fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I think that like, we'll take a few weeks off mm-hmm. and maybe do some like refining and yeah. like see what's working for us and we would love to hear from our listeners. If yes, you guys have yeah. Thoughts, Find so. us on Instagram. And oh, I did start a TikTok for us. Oh, good. So look for that coming. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. These are, we're older millennials doing TikToks. So <laughs> go easy on us. Yeah. <laughs> go easy um, on us. <laughs> so you can find us at Erotic Nonsense Pod on Instagram and mm-hmm. Erotic Nonsense Pod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we'd love to hear from you and we will be back probably before the end of the year. Maybe with like a Christmas special. Maybe start I, us up. Maybe I pre-ordered a, <laughs> nice. a holiday romance, a new release that's coming out this week. Nice. So. Oh my God. I can't wait. So we will see you guys in a few weeks when we're back for season yep. two of Erotic Nonsense. Can't wait. Yay. Bye. All right. Bye.